man. All right. Got to get back into it here. Oh, yeah. It's a very Monday-feeling Monday. Dude, it's the worst. So I uh, I am glad that even though, like, we are missing the Suns game, mm-hmm. or part of it anyway, because we're accounting for halftime, so I think we'll catch most of the second half at least. But, like, I was like, I wanted to throw it out there. I was like, should we record just to make sure we can see the whole Suns game? But, like, I had roasted at Throne. Mm. Like, so I'm up at 3.15 and then roast from 4 to about 10.30 or so. And Ugh. I was just like... And then I got home to, you know, mow the lawn and do, you know, all this. So I was just like, (laughs) there was a point where I sat forward and I was like, my brain is telling my body to get up, but my body says, screw you. Yeah. (laughs) My body has zero interest in what my brain wants at this point. Yeah. No, I just sat there like, why won't my legs do what I tell them to do right now? (laughs) So that was about the. That's where our, where my brain was. I don't know that I could have handled anything of any sort of mental capacity yesterday. <laughs> yeah, no, I and again, like I'm generally speaking, I'm a fairly optimistic sports fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a largely a survival skill. Yep. Otherwise, um, you can't enjoy it. Yeah. Exactly. Until the loss happens, I have to believe that we're not going to to lose. Um, but I I'm. I'm not feeling super good about this series. Like, I think it'll be a good competitive long series because we've got so much top end talent that we can't help but win a couple of games. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not confident about any of the stuff that happens consistently, you know, like defense or yeah. uh, rebounding. Yeah. I and mean, I'm just like, afraid we used it all in LA and then we're going to have none of it for Denver, you know, like because our guys are old. And they do have a they they have a limited account that they can pull from, you know, like Well, there's that and there's also like Monty's substitution patterns make no sense to me. Like I I don't know That's fair. I like Monty, I, but that is fair. I don't know what college tape of Landry Shamet he keeps watching, thinking that Landry Shamet is gonna be the solution to any of our problems. Hmm. But like it's clearly something that is way out of date. Yeah. Yeah. But I, okay, yeah, I agree. All right, yeah. Let's just hit an intro. Let's get into it. Otherwise, we're gonna we're gonna spiral real fast. It'll be a fun spiral, uh, but probably we'll both be sick at the end of it. So anyway, welcome to the podcast, Blue Collar Scholars. Not long ago, a group of brilliant minds met together at a pub to discuss their unfinished works. They recognized the value of coming together around delicious beverages and having meaningful conversations. That group was known as the Inklings. The Inkle Do podcast here, we're working to be the second iteration of that group. So pour yourself a craft beverage, pull up a chair, and join the conversation. Okay, so have you had uh, anything good to drink? Yes, I have. All because right. I finally, finally, just literally today on my way home from school, I was like, oh my gosh, you know what? We're going to be podcasting, and I keep talking about how I need to get to King's mm-hmm. and like do another build your own six-pack. And I've been saying for months now, I'm going to do it. I finally did it. Uh, and so I did. I went down to King's today. Um, their bottle shop, they've really, like, cleaned up the setup on it and everything, mm. too. Um, but, yeah, I got Build Your Own Six Pack, and I got something from Bottle Logic. Okay. Uh, actually, uh, a collaboration they did with Campy Creatures, which I had never heard of before. Um, but it's called Stealth Mode. Nice. Uh, and so, like, the, the can art is clearly like the invisible man set up 
like the jacket, the leather gloves, and the hat mm-hmm. and stuff, and mm-hmm. just no face under it. So it was already pulled in. And it started to get warm again, although we're supposed to cool off again for a few days because yeah, Phoenix can't decide. Liars. But, yeah, pretty much. But in the summer, I do like sours and those kinds of things a little mm-hmm. bit. And so I decided this one is, they call it a tart ale, which basically to me means they made a sour using like ale yeast. Like So the sour comes from, they used, uh, they brewed it with blueberries. Okay. And I was like, okay, you know, that, I'll give that a shot. And it was good. But it's exactly what you think it would be. Like, it really... So, like, when I poured it, it was, like, shocking to me. Because I was thinking it was going to be one of those things where it's like an ale, but there's going to be some of that flavor to it. The color on it was like... It looked like someone had just crushed up blueberries. Like a purpley blue? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like that almost not quite wine dark, but, like, pretty close to it. Oh, wow. More of the blue than the red in it. Uh But, like... Yeah. But it was really good. Uh, very kind of um, juicy sort of up front. But the finish on it wasn't. Like it didn't stay. Su- it wasn't super sweet or anything. Obviously tart. Um, but it tasted. You can tell like that they actually used blueberries in it. Instead mm-hmm. of like some kind of a blueberry flavoring. Yeah. Um, because it didn't have. And they didn't dump a bunch of sugar in with it. It mm-hmm. seems. Because it really did have just kind of a. Unlike a full-on sour it didn't do a face pucker on me or anything like that it really was more just kind of that little like tartness to it as Mm. you're drinking it but i didn't get other than so there was a little bit i think part of what balanced out the juicy kind of fruit flavor on it is that at the end it had more of a hoppy finish in the ale okay but like uh, that was that kind of uh, resinous hoppy finish at the end was like the only sign of an ale in there. Like huh. there were no, I didn't yeah. have any of the like distinct notes that you're normally looking for. Yeah, yep. um, There was no floral or anything like that because it was blueberry hop, and like just those two things. It played pretty nice. Uh, it's not something that I would be mad about drinking again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also very much one of those, like, this is, this is a special occasion beer, like where you're just sitting there and like, you want to, this would be a perfect one. If like we were hanging out watching like, a sun's game this thing. and we were going to like pour half of it into a yeah. couple of glasses. I was gonna say, it sounds weird. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that, and it really like drinking the whole pint of it. Cause it is a pint can, uh, drinking the whole pint of it wasn't bad it wasn't a problem but i wouldn't have enjoyed it any less pouring it into two glasses Mm -hmm. i'd have probably enjoyed it more like the because the novelty of it and everything and kind of the surprise and the refreshing nature of it that kind of goes away a little bit more with each sip Mm -hmm. but it's a it's a good solid beer man and again like honestly it's worth getting just i'm I'm probably going to hold on to the can like it's some of the coolest can i've seen that's fun yeah, I uh, I actually had some fun stuff too. Like I I had a really cool experience. So uh, last, what day was it? Two Tuesday that the 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 coffee event was. Oh yeah, yeah, that oh, was on Tuesday. Tuesday, that was last that, Tuesday. That's what it was. So what it was is press coffee. 
which is a big roaster here, right? They're the ones mm-hmm. that we did the tasting at. They like started a sister company called Coffee Support. So basically, they like down in the ghetto. They have this like warehouse, and they have two giant loring roasters, like full full bag roasters, so they can roast like 140 pounds at a time. And they have two of those machines in there. Okay. The Lorings, which are like super high tech machines. And then they have like high tech bagging machines and high tech this, high tech that. And, you know, perfect bean storage and, uh, you know, giant cold brew uh, coffee brewers and bottle and canning capacity, you know, all of the things. And basically their goal was to be like that place where all of these companies could, could come to. Like you could hire them to roast coffee for you so you would have your own special coffee. Sure. Or you could buy green coffee from them or you can have your green coffee shipped there. You can bring your roasted coffee. They'll brew it for you. Like all the different combinations. They're basically there to support coffee. They're like, we didn't name it uniquely. Like it's called coffee (laughs) support because we're just trying to support coffee. So basically for someone who's like trying to roast and sell their own coffee, any of the steps that you don't yeah, kind you, of trust yourself to do. Yeah, you can basically they, hire them to do it. Yeah. Okay. And so this was essentially uh, what they're doing is they're starting their green coffee so that where you can go buy green coffee from them. And so they were kind of, you know, it was kind of a timeshare presentation in all honesty. Like they were <laughs> yeah. they were giving us a tour of their facility, you know, fully and intending to like draw, bring awareness and, and, you know, hire them hopefully in the future. Yep. But there, it wasn't salesy at all, but it was to introduce that. And then they had some presentations and it was educational. It was really cool. But to kick it off, what they did is they brought in um, two kegs of a Renhouse beers and they had their own little kegerator tap mm-hmm. over there. And so they had a, a hazy IPA and a lager. Or at least they told me it was a lager. But the more I think about it, I'm like, I don't know if it was a lager or actually the lager or not. But I, it, they said it was. The hazy was good, right? Like it was a solid super. You're like, you know what? Like this is an excellent representation. Like this is really, really good. This is what the style is supposed to be. Yeah, I had no complaints. But I was also like, well, Ren House is supposed to be like the best brewer in Arizona. And I was like, this is really, really. Don't get me wrong. Like there was nothing bad. There was no bad things in this thing. But I was also like, okay, you know, whatever. But it was in the lager that I tried, and I was like, oh, okay. This is something different because it was super clean, but there was also like these floral and fruity kind of – like the 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 yeast was like front and center. Like you could okay. taste the unique flavors, but there wasn't anything at – like it was, I was like, okay, this is how Renhouse can say that they're that good, right? But it, it was – Free cup, free beer, and pizza they had there. And then on top of that, they had these importers, these guys from um, Colombia. They were actually there and they were presenting their coffee because they have a farm and they were like talking about their farm and trying to, again, bring awareness. Sure. And what they did is they did a cupping. And so they laid out a whole bunch of their coffees, you know, that you could sample them. And they had, Crazy coffees, right? So they had like a geisha, which is those are the like $40 a pound green coffee up to like $100 a pound, like wacky prices. Geisha yeah. is like the, the primo stuff. I've never had one before. And so the flavors were 
wild on these coffees. They were not okay. like I've never had coffee like it before. And as I watched their presentation, they fer- they they ferment all of their beans, and they have like multiple different types of fermentations. So you can bring in like an eighty three point coffee, right, which will sell at you know let's just say three dollars a pound. They can put it in a fermenter with different types of yeast, add pineapple notes to this coffee through the through the yeast, and then it comes out as like an eighty six point coffee. And now they can sell it for five or six dollars a pound. Huh. Right, so this fermentation process allows these these uh, farmers to sell at much higher prices because they're getting notes, flavor notes in these coffees that they would never naturally sure. be able to get. And it was these coffees; they were wacky, man. They were super juicy, and then astringent, and then acidic, and then juicy, like wild, wild coffee flavors that I've never had before. And again, like. We do. I do stay in my lane, right? Like sure. I, I don't vent, like Guatemala, you know, Colombia, but primary flavors like what we do, right? Chocolate yep. with citrus note, or chocolate with heavy body. You know, all of those things. These ones were just. This just like blew my brain open all over again. Just like when you had your first natural, and you're like, that tastes like blueberries. Yeah, right? yep. I, I had like one of those where I was just like blew my brain up. I was like, I didn't. Like I've heard people say coffee can taste like this, but I've never had coffee taste like this before. Like this was, it was wacky, man. It was, and it was so cool. So they're, they said they're going to do it kind of a regular, semi-regular thing, like the tours and the get togethers yeah. and socials or something. So if they do, hopefully they'll uh, do it at a time where we can both go. Cause it was, it was fun. They're cool dudes. Uh, I guess there were some ladies there too. Uh, but <laughs> Pizza and beer and coffee, like I was just like, it's kind I mean, of what I signed up for, you know. <laughs> I, I was gonna say you, you're hitting pretty much all of the the check boxes. I, I mean, like yeah. when we have a shop, that's what that's what we want to do is we want to eat a little food, drink some coffee, wait a little while, eat a little food, drink some beer. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's kind of life's goal. <laughs> if, I, if I'm being honest, it's not a bad pattern to fall into. <laughs> now. And so you know. Trying to achieve that goal, I have been really driving into our uh, mission, vision, core value stuff because we're, we want to do our pop up again. We want to bring it back up, and I yeah. was just thinking that hey, like we really need to have this stuff figured out. And we've we've made some progress, like we've got some stuff written down, but we've never really like really hammered it out, and. I was working with somebody on theirs and I was like, it's so clear to me. Like, it's so easy for me to work on your stuff. Like, why is it so hard for me to work on my stuff? And I actually text my buddy. I was like, dude, I don't understand why I'm struggling so hard on my own. He's like, it's because you're so close, right? Like you're so close. You can't see it. And I was like, Oh, that, that makes a lot of sense because it's something that we know who we are like deep down inside. Like we know it, it's in our heart, but like, can we tell someone else who we are? It's a lot harder. Like you kind of just got to yeah. roll with us for a long time and then you'll, you'll start to pick it up. But like, we need to be able to communicate it. And so, and it, in this exercise, this is a very long winded detour. I <laughs> promise folks, we're going to get there. Um, <laughs> one of the things, because our pop-up is going to be really centered around giving, right? We want to raise yeah. money for kids college. And, that's been ringing in my brain is that like, I want us to grow through giving rather than taking, 
right? To to hop on that, you know, beat that dead horse of capitalism that we've been like talking about the last few times. Like this has all been yeah. like ringing around. Like I want to grow through giving rather than taking. Like God's called us to do something different. And at that same time, miraculously, there's a there's a business called Faith Driven Entrepreneurship. Okay, and so this is like this whole their whole thing is to get Christians to do business because mm-hmm. you can change and help more people if you make more money type of a thing, right? Like, and so like they do kind of they're like be an entrepreneur. Like if you're called to be an entrepreneur, go do that thing. But like here's how you can build in giving or all these things. Or this is how you can be a Christian and still be an entrepreneur. And they did a series called uh, you know like building through giving something like that. And it was just all about how to build giving into your business. And the first one was, uh, you know, framing giving and money, right? Because you would think entrepreneurship, capitalism, it's about making money. But then as a Christian, we're told you cannot serve both God and mammon, mm-hmm. right? And we've always translated that into money. And this is really the topic that I want to talk about because it, it, struck a chord with me because it was really weird. Like it was something, and, and I'm not going to lie, I haven't dug into it. I haven't been like, oh, what does the Greek say? Um, <laughs> you know, I don't really do that. I usually trust my Bible translators because they're way smarter than me. Um, <laughs> Fair. You know, but regardless, I was like, this is such an interesting take that I kind of want to see what AJ thinks about it and then dig into it a little bit more. But they said the reason why... They're like, why did they never translate it to money? Why did they leave it as mammon? And and it's capitalized. Mm-hmm. They're like, don't you think that's kind of weird? And and this, it was a theologian. He was like one of the theology people for this business. And he's like, that's because in the early church they understood it to be like a like a demonic force. Like it's like Satan, Beelzebub, mammon. Mm-hmm you know, type of a thing. Like it wasn't money per se, you know, and they give some examples for, you know, give to Caesar what Caesar's, you know, like Jesus has money. He does. He never says money is evil. Right. But in this one weird scenario, he says, you can't serve God and mammon. And they're like, that's what it was. And so I was like, I've never heard that before. Like everything around it has always been just money. Basically you can't be greedy and, go to heaven, you know, type of a thing. And so I was like, I wanted to see what you thought. Like, have you ever heard that before? It's one of those things that like falls very firmly under the category of like vaguely familiar. Like this is not the first time I've heard someone say something along those lines. Um, And I, I'm not surprised by it. Like that, that sounds totally believable to me that that would be part of it. Um, but I think the other part of it too, is that like, it's the word serve. I think that like pulls my attention more than the word mammon in the statement. Cause even if we were to like, leave it as money, you cannot serve both God and money because like, that's part of the whole parallel that Jesus is running with when he's making this statement is this idea that you cannot serve. A, a person cannot serve two masters. Mm-hmm. He will either love one master and hate the other, or he will obey one master and rebel against the other. Mm-hmm. Like you can't serve both. And so it is that idea of once you have made 
Once you have made money the thing that you are serving, the thing that you are striving for as an end in itself, you've made it a person Mm -hmm. in your life. Whether whether it was or wasn't intended as a demonic name or anything like that when they wrote it in the scriptures, as soon as I have made it the Lord whom I serve, it is now a demon. It is now an obstacle. It's an evil that will prevent me from serving god you you got me that because i was gonna say i was gonna be like okay well how do you serve money because it's because it's a non you know you have to person in order to serve something you have to personify it in order and Mm -hmm. that's exactly what you did like i was listening i was like oh but and then you personified it and then you brought i was like yep okay that's exactly how it is yeah this is honestly this is anytime i'm talking about like the the first commandment with whether it was when I was teaching grade schoolers mm-hmm. or high schoolers or, you know, literally having the conversation with anyone. You know, the first commandment, it's number one for a reason. God did list them in order of importance. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's number one, but it's also the one that in the modern day, we almost all, even very casual Christians are like, ah, yeah, I've got that one. Mm-hmm. You know, you shall worship no other strange gods. Perfect. I don't. I worship no other gods. Really? Interesting. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else that you're putting ahead of God in your life. How much time do you spend in prayer on a daily basis? How much time do you spend, you know, when I'm talking to students, like watching video games, surfing YouTube, scrolling endlessly through social media? Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Tell me again how you have put no other gods, no idols above him. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, when you look at it, even the old form of idolatry, technically they weren't worshiping false gods because there was no one there. Mm-hmm. Like, the, right. it's a statue. Right. It's a piece of metal, no different than its pieces of paper and little metal coins. Like, whatever mm-hmm. it is that we have dedicated ourselves to, that's our god in spite of whatever logical rationalizations we might have. And so as soon as we are saying that, um, you know, our business exists to make money on a practical capitalist level, that's a totally legitimate statement. Right. If we're going to claim to be a Christian business, then no, that's not it. There's Mm got to be something that's coming after that. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our business exists to bring glory to God. We will bring glory to God by helping to uh, helping to make a college education a realistic possibility for some people who it otherwise wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. We will make college a realistic uh, possibility for people who it otherwise wouldn't be by getting money to help them pay for college. Right. So now we've got a proper kind of chain of what our actual goal is Mm -hmm. and we've put money back in its proper spot yeah as this tool which serves us in our service of god right as opposed to us serving mammon yeah money i i think it that's super interesting yeah i like so having it properly ordered agreed right like i want to take that reapply it back to our our work on on all of our stuff but like the idea that 
anything, whether it be a you know golden cow on Mount Sinai or paper mm-hmm. coin, kind of becomes our god, kind of becomes, and we we have to personify in all these things. And it, that's interesting to me because these things, I, and I have struggled with this because I've thought them to be like, you know, not to not have a will, mm-hmm. but it seems like they do have a will, right? Like money. I think ultimately, because like I'm thinking back to like our our seven deadly sins conversations and all of these things, and like ultimately, every sin, the goal of every sin is to to try to get to the main sin, which is to make ourselves our own little gods, right? To to dethrone God and replace it with ourselves. Mm-hmm. But they all do it a little differently, and so and and it's not blatant. It's not. It looks like a person, you know, like a, a a subtle difference, an approach, a will, you know. And for money, it was one of those things to where, like, what money does is it gives. And I I am completely stealing everything from this theologian, okay, folks. So don't give me too much credit. I'm a thief, <laughs> and I sleep at night, so it's okay. <laughs> so, um, but like he laid out all of these things on how money gives you power. Right. And that the one of the reasons why Caesar was against people gaining so much money is because like you could store it up for later where Caesar couldn't store his power. He had to execute power. And then like it was power that you could use for anything like you could convert it to like I could take my money and convert it into power of people, power of food, mm-hmm. power of the like. So money gained this sort of like store of power. And eventually you got to this point to where you're like, I don't need or want for anything. And so I don't need or want God anymore because I have enough power that I can do it myself. And it's, you know, it all starts small, but there, it seems like there is a a distinct approach to the way that money corrupts or the pursuit of money corrupts us and takes us down that path, the ultimate path of pride in which we dethrone God in our hearts. Um, and Absolutely. so I, I, it's been interesting just to think that, you know, like how could I serve money? Like I don't serve money, but like, you're right. It would be something else. And that something else is leading you down a path. Absolutely. And I think that's part of what makes money um, such a, such a seductive idol mm. is that like, it can be, you know, it, it's incredibly uh, flexible. It's com- incredibly adaptable yeah. in terms of what it can be for. And so, you know, it starts off on a very easy, simple level, you know, like, oh, man, you know what? I just I need to be able to provide a life for my loved ones. I need mm-hmm. to be able to, you know. Take care of that for them. That has voiced me so many times. And it's a totally reasonable thing. It is part of part of my stewardship. Yeah. It's part of your vocation as husband and father. There's no doubt about it. Right. But it's also that thing where Satan's whole goal is to turn you like one degree Mm. offline because this is your vocation. Mm. It is your calling for life. It is the like defining way 
for you to bring glory to God, first and foremost, is as husband and father. Mm-hmm. And so since it's going to be lifelong, if he can get you just that little like half degree, maybe not even a full degree, that half degree off where you have to do it because you have to provide. Mm-hmm. It's now about what you are going to do to provide for mm. your family instead of what opportunities is God going to give you where God will provide for your family mm-hmm. and you get to cooperate in that. And so it's that like really subtle thing. And so then you have mm. provided your family with a place to live. You have mm. provided your family with food to eat, clothes to wear. They're able to go to a nice private school, blah, 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 all kinds of stuff. Now you need to be able to provide them with uh, nice vacations. You need to be able to provide for them at least as well as all of the dads of their friends. Yeah. Because heaven forbid your daughters think you're less of a provider than their father. Mm. Because again, now it's about you. Yeah. It's about what you can do. And so now your identity, your value as a person is destroyed not by not being able to provide the necessities for your girls, but by not being able to provide as nice of things as other people are for their kids and for their wives. And the number of times I have literally said those exact words, right? (laughs) And the number of times that I felt trapped in my day job because I have to provide for these things. Mm-hmm. And and it's a small change, you know, like it's a that responsibility or sense of responsibility to be corrupted just ever so slightly. You're doing a yeah. good thing the wrong way still has a poisoned result, man. And and you said something that I want to key on and the word was value in that as you were giving your example, like if you notice, like all of the human values kind of go down. Mm-hmm. And the way that money or when money becomes, you know, our God, we dehumanize, right? And we people and things love becomes purchasable. Yes. You know, and and you, you basically you can dehumanize yourself by saying, you know, like I'm basically a slave to this. I have to do this thing. I have no freedom. I have no free will. I have to. And then you you've dehumanized yourself, which that makes it a whole lot easier to dehumanize someone else in this transaction that you have, you know, like, and you start to question loved ones and all of these things because all they want is what you can give them. And it's, it's a boy. Well, yeah. it's, it's a big part of why when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, like loving yourself is the requirement for that. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. if I don't love myself, if I don't see my value, then I don't have any standard by which to like apply that idea of love and value on another person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and if I'm being selfish and greedy, I'm going to assume that's how other people are viewing me too. Yeah. Whether they actually are or not, in your head, they only love you because of the things you buy them. Yep. Whether that idea has ever occurred to them or not is yeah. irrelevant. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And I think if I was going to pull this together in my in my life lesson, it is just the... <sighs> to steal from another pastor because that's what I'm doing right now is that he pointed out that, you know, when you're, when you're a Christian, your job is not to ask God to bless what you're doing, but to see what God is doing 
and how you can help it or bless his work. And I think that's the key, right? Like, as you said, like me as a husband and father, my vocation first is to provide. It's not for me to be like, God, I need you to just do what I want, you know, bless what I'm doing, right? Because I'm the important one in this transaction, right? Obviously, I'm the important one. But to remember the name, right? Jehovah Jireh, he's the provider, right? And to see where God is going and go there, right? And, and bless what God is doing in his work because that's where it's all going to come from. It might not look the way you want it. And that's where I think a lot of it comes from is a level of insecurity, right? And so if you can come back from dehumanizing everything and you can reconnect You'll find a lot more security. Your kids, your wife, they don't need as much as you think they do, right? And you can come back and you can get better quality, less quantity, and it will be properly ordered with God. Absolutely, man. And I think mine is kind of along similar lines. It's that idea of recognizing that everything we're doing is opportunity provided by God. And so mm-hmm. there's a sense of gratitude there. Mm-hmm. You know, even when, you know, you're a wage slave in a cube farm, mm-hmm. like, you know what? Instead of being trapped there, God has given you an opportunity to provide for your family. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe what you're called to do there isn't to like seek the upward mobility to get yeah. as far as you can to get as much extra as you can for yourself and for your family. But like, maybe it's, Hey, this is an opportunity that has allowed me to provide for the basic needs of my family at a fairly comfortable level and has still left me the opportunity to continue pursuing where God might be calling me in some other fields, Mm -hmm. you know, whether that be things like writing, roasting coffee, Mm -hmm. you know, like all this kind of stuff. If we see it as that abundance of good and grace that God has offered, it's very freeing in terms of our ability to pursue other things because God has given me this opportunity. And if it is, if this thing that I want to pursue is where God wants me, he will provide me the opportunities for that as well. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes. Uh, an awareness that serving God is a delight. It's not always an ease, but it is a delight. Like there is an adventure and a, a fun and a discovery in serving God, seeing the roads and opportunities and pathways that he's laid out for us, as opposed to, I don't know, man, every time I've tried to force a vocation on myself, I have found it takes me to a very bleak, narrow, dead end. And then I have to do that Austin Powers, like, 3000 point turn to try and get myself out of it. <laughs> yep. And it takes forever. Yes, it does. Yeah. You know, I, I'm going to jump on that a little bit with, I'm in the minor prophets and it's Haggai, mm-hmm. Haggai. Yep. I think that's one of them. And there was, uh, there was this P I'm pretty sure it's him, but it was talking about how, you know, Israel's tried to do all of these different things, but God just kept blowing it away. So, you know, like he was mm. like building a house of cards and he would just walk by and just like blow on it, <laughs> knocking it all back over. Yeah. And it's like, you're doing all this stupid crap, but there's one thing first, build my house first, then it'll all flow from me through here. And he just kept blowing their house of cards down. I was like, 
oh my god that's my life <laughs> oh yeah every now and then every now and then i read a section in the scripture and i can just feel god laughing at like yeah you finally noticed this one huh <laughs> oh man anyway well everybody we hope these conversations are uh, a blessing for you they are for us uh, if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, you know, reach out, social media, email, jump on that website, buy a couple bags of coffee, we grow some fresh, send it off to you. That's how you can support these meaningful conversations and help us uh, keep it going. You got anything else on your brain there, man? No, man. I mean, really just uh, kind of building on what we were just talking about, like how grateful I am that God's given me this opportunity to, you know, for us to reconnect on these conversations and to throw them out there. And hopefully a few other people are enjoying them too. Agreed. Agreed. All right. With that, everybody, we will say adieu.